Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Very excited to kick off the next segment with Emmy Award-winning actress Holland Taylor and Dr. James Mellon. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you both for calling in. This is uh, very exciting, and I want to hear a little bit about how the two of you connected. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> James. You, you, you can take that, Holland. <laughs> well, uh, about 10 years ago, I started working on a play about Ann Richards, and uh, my agent sent it to a theater in Texas where he thought they would want to do it, the Galveston Grand Opera House. And it turns out that uh, a producer who works with that theater uh, was sent to play and got very, very excited about it. And we met and we just bonded tremendously and have had a 10-year adventure with this play. And he, the producer, is Kevin Bailey, who is the husband of Dr. James. So James and his children became part of the Ann Richards play family and have seen it in many different cities. And Mm -hmm. I saw them grow up um, with James and Kevin and experienced Kevin trying to FaceTime with his children as often (laughs) as he could when we were on the road and saw him tear out of rehearsals one Christmas, desperately trying to buy thousands of presents as they were coming to visit. (laughs) (laughs) And he did buy thousands of presents, and they were all, each present was as big as a station wagon, and he had to wrap them. (laughs) And so (laughs) I've had a real up-close personal experience of family life with Dr. James and with Kevin. Uh, so I've I've known James increasingly over the past years, but from the beginning about ten years ago. And I do want to add, you have a master's degree, Holland, in spiritual psychology, which um, I feel like the two of you connect on a certain level that people don't aren't aware of. Well, it's interesting. I you know I'm not going to hog the floor here, James, but uh, James is actually <laughs> sorry, <man>. James. <laughs> you know what did you say? I said sorry, James. I said, yeah, no, you can totally hog the floor. Okay. <laughs> um, so the, the the fact is that I am I don't think of myself very much as a spiritual being, certainly not a scholar or somebody who's read deeply in all the literature, though the immense literature and ancient literature of that world, and of course, James is. He's, he's very trained, he's very educated, he's very evolved, and he's very focused on that. That is his life, that is his, that is his métier, that's what he does. I, on the other hand, do almost anything but um, spiritual self-reflection and thought, and I don't read in those in those uh, in those disciplines particularly. But a friend of mine who had had a lot of hardships took this spiritual psychology course, a master's degree at the at the University of Santa Monica, and she was so not overnight and not some not some fatty kind of way, not some culty kind of way, but just just over overnight took hold of her life in a way that I found remarkable, considering the hardships that she'd had. That's incredible. And really, it's, it's uh, people who go take that course are people who mostly want to go into the, into, the, into the industry, into the therapy industry. And that school operates on the belief that if you cannot manage your own psychology, how can you possibly aid someone else's? So the course yes. is very much about, about that, about educating yourself in the areas of psychology and spirituality, because they hold the position that we are spiritual beings as well as physical beings. So I took the course on her inspiration, and it has, 
it probably is the reason why I was able to do such a, an enormous thing as write a play, do a research a play for three years, write a play, and develop it with the help of Kevin and some other producers through, you know, seven or eight productions all the way to Broadway. That's and amazing. I think it's, I never would have ever done anything like that had I not had the training of self-management that that school gave me. Wow. But, but I still don't think of myself as, uh, as able to have a conversation with James about spiritual matters. You know, I have to, now I have to say, she so shortchanges herself. I hear it. Because, right, don't you? Yeah. Because, um, here's the thing, you know, it's not about spirituality and uh, intuitive knowing what we all know deep within if we just let ourselves know it. It doesn't come from reading books or studying at all. And Holland Taylor, her entire breadth and depth of her career has been a woman who, when she speaks, speaks in a philosophical manner. Mm -hmm. She speaks truth all the time. She has, and she's hysterically funny when she does it. So right. to me, yeah, to me, that's what this is all about. And when I put this show together called The Interview, it's about, you know, finding people like Holland and not really getting as interested in what they're doing, but in what inside of them brings them to be able to do something like write an entire full-length play about Governor Ann Richards and then step into it and embody that character. Yes. You know, why can Holland Taylor do that? And that, that's what I'm interested in knowing. And I think I know the answers, but I'm going to have fun putting her on the spot, having her come up with the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tend to be uh, practical in my view of many things, and I... In that particular case, I confess, even early on, I was aware that I was in the grip of a vision. And mm -hmm. I do, uh, and I think that was a very different cup of tea from other jobs that I've done and worked hard on and excelled or not excelled at. But I, I have always said there's something called the Anne effect. There, there, there were magical things that happened all around that play right from the beginning, including the fact that her closest people, family and part, members of her administration, most of whom were very old friends of hers, embraced me and were willing to think that I could actually succeed where uh, other, so many people wanted a piece of Ann Richards and wanted to do something about her. Right. Uh, uh, and they, they didn't allow pretty much any of it. They, and they, didn't, they weren't interested. In, and for some reason, they, they, they opened their doors to me. And that was... But the the point I'm trying to make is there was something special about that project which was visionary for me. And mm -hmm. the thing, speaking to what James is saying, there's something in me, there was something in me that simply never turned back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if any person has a, an experience that is an inner vision, that they can imagine a reality even if they can't execute it, like... When I first went out to playing Ann Richards, I saw a film of it, and I just thought, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. But when I was doing it, I was reaching for my vision. Great. Uh, and, and, and I was happy in the effort. You know, if you are happy in the effort of pursuing your vision, it is going to perfect and, and evolve. Right. Do you know what I mean, James? Sure. Mm -hmm. I do. And, that, and, and, and the very way you put that, I was watching an interview of Holland when she was promoting The Truman Show. So that was a while, way before Ann Richards. And the, the interviewer, I don't remember his name, but you said something so profound, and he looked at you and he said, so really you're a philosopher. And, and you just smiled and did the same thing you're, you're doing here, which is like, 
No, no I'm that's not, not really me. A philosopher. <laughs> right. But I don't even remember you interview like, about the Truman Show to show you how on the ball I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing my research. But I, what I'm getting a sense of, Anne, is that you embody your characters. You're not just an actress. You, you believe, that's where I see your passion, you know, and your skills. You embody these characters, and it shows. Well, the curious thing about acting is uh, it's a very hard-to-define talent, skill, avocation, whatever, because... It is so hard to separate the the thing from the from the doer, the the done thing from the doer in a painting. You it's outside yourself. You're you're actually dealing with yourself in order to represent someone else. So it's it's already a very confounding thing to discuss. I am not lost in my character, uh, characters in the sense that I am deluded. Some people who act uh, really become confused, and they encourage that confusion, and they, in a sense, visit some kind of madness. And I actually don't think that's good acting at all. Sure. What happens in acting is that you know you're doing it, but you're, it's like you're, you're making music. You are, you are aware, like, oh, I was flat on that note, or, oh, uh, next time I had to breathe in this different place. You, it's something that you're doing that there's a larger you that is experiencing the creative you working. And as an actress, I always was very aware of who I was. I was all kinds of things that you are considering while you are performing. I mean, I'm performing the character, and I'm very caught up in the music and the scent and the rhythm of that person and in the feel of that person's experience. But at the same time, I'm watching not to chip on the rug. I'm looking for that crack in the set where my heel gets caught. Yes. I'm pulling the chair out. I'm, the chair takes a certain... You know, I'm, I'm thinking of so many technical things, so many exacting and demanding things with props, and, and I'm thinking like an actress, like, oh, you know, I picked this up at a different point, and, you know, you're mm-hmm. thinking technically all the time. You have to be, and in film even more, can you imagine? Right. So uh, there is an experience that is quite practical, that is happening right along with the music. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So you know, Janine, yes. um, uh, you don't know this about me, but I started out as an actor, and I saw uh, that. Yeah, but I want to say something that most. That's not way back me. when you were. Uh, you know, you were a star yeah. in uh, Jerome Robbins's uh, um, West, West Side Story. West Side yes. Story, for God's sake. Right. No, I had a I had a great career as an actor, and I still I, I will still continue that when anything comes up I want to do, but. Um, I was doing a workshop with Moyle Streep at, in, at the really? New York Shakespeare Festival back in 1978, I think it was. And she said something I never forgot, which is what Holland just said. She said, I never become the character. The yeah. character becomes me. I love and that. What, when she said that to me, I was like, oh, I totally get what you mean. Because what she said was, I, I don't become the character. Every character I play is a part of me. Yeah. Therefore, mm-hmm. I just take myself and put myself into the character. I like that. So it's, yeah, it's kind of the same thing Holland's talking about. It's not about transforming ourselves into someone else. It's about who am I, what do I bring to this character? When Holland plays Anne, it looks like a complete transformation. I mean, Anne Richards' daughter, uh, she, you know, when she shares about watching Holland, she, feels, she says, I, I sit there feeling like I'm my mother sitting in front of me. You know, oh. and, that's yeah, and that's very moving that's to me. You know, the whole the, the mysteries. As I say, I'm a practical person. I don't think of myself as a spiritual person. But uh, there are moments when uh, Cecile is in the audience when I know that she's there. 
that it, I'm really sometimes on the edge of tears because uh, I don't mean weeping, but I mean right. my eyes might smart a little bit because I'm so aware that I represent a memory to her, and uh, there's a, there's actually a phone call with her in the play. There's there's a, there's mm-hmm. actually no there, yes there's an, it's quite almost at the end of the play, and of the three children of, of three other children, you see clearly different relationships with every one of them. And then the final call is with Cecile, who is her eldest, and uh, and it's also late in late in the play and late in the day and she's been trying to get her all day and just even just just getting her on the line and saying how are you darling mm, it's just yeah. and, and i'm and i know that she's in the audience and, and i'm saying how are you darling and uh. i and i it was always very emotional for me because mm-hmm. i was i was experiencing the communication capacity of of art how it opens us to an imaginative experience that can be very deep and Cecile and I, it's funny, I see her very rarely, saw her very rarely when I was doing the play. I didn't see anybody when I was doing the play. But I sometimes would I get an idea of a word that I wanted to change, and I would, there was a Yiddish word I wanted to check with her whether her mother ever used it, which she did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I texted her, and I texted her late at night, not thinking, I'm going to figure she'd get it the next day, but she was on. She was on, and she responded, and then she said, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> It's really incredible how you wrote and you starred in this, and then you, congratulations, you earned a Tony nomination. I did earn a Tony nomination, which was a very, very great uh, pleasure to Kevin. I think Kevin was more pleased than I was. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I, I mean, I was incredibly pleased and honored because the Tonys, uh, Tonys are different from Oscars and other things in that the, the nominations are done by a committee of about, well, my year it was about 26 people, and they are the most, uh, not prominent necessarily, but like most serious, most serious professionals in the field. Could be theater owners, could be agent, could be, um, uh, you know, a directors, could be actors, mm-hmm. but Seriously evolved major players in the theater get to be Tony nominators, and they have to sign a legal affidavit that they have seen every every play in their category. And so oh, you get a Tony nomination. You know you've been chosen by such an elite group that that is such a reward in itself. It's just amazing. It it's is very amazing. moving. I could not have been more moved. I usually relate it back to Anne though, because of course it's like when we got the Beaumont. And they called me up and said, you're going to be doing Anne at the Beaumont. And I was, you know, gobsmacked. But I said, well, she deserves it. Let me just interject for a second. Um, I am just speaking with Holland Taylor and Dr. James Mellon of the Global Truth Center. And this Friday, there's going to be an event at 7.30 p.m. at the Global Truth Center. And I'm giving away 10 pairs of tickets. So all the listeners have to do is just email me to Janine, J-A-N. E-A-N-E, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org, 10 pairs of tickets to the Friday event. Can you tell us, um, Dr. Mellon, about the event? Yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a television show. It's a four-camera shoot, and it has uh, a musical guest as well, a gentleman named Brandon Stansell, who's uh, a Nashville singer whose album is just like zooming up the charts. Um, and the, the purpose of the show, the reason why we put this talk show together is because uh, there's a lot of sound bites out there, and we hear a lot of talk shows talking about 
all the stuff in the world. And I wanted to, to create something where it was less about sound bites and more about a deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. Holland, keeps, Holland keeps mentioning that she's, she doesn't feel spiritual, but you know, my take on life is that all of life is spiritual. You know, the ocean is spiritual, the sky is spiritual, human beings are spiritual beings. So it's not about some religious type thing. In fact, it's not about religion at all. It's, it's the understanding that there is this life force in everyone. And I want to get to the center of, you know, why is Merle Streep who she is? Why is Holland Taylor who she is? What are her beliefs? What are her core beliefs that create the person that's sitting in front of us? Yes. And do it, and do it in a really fun way. You know, I think people want to hear... I think, I think people want to get to know someone, not just about them, but actually know them deeply. And uh, this will be my second episode. The first one was with the uh, brilliant author, Mark Nepo. Oh, yes, he was and, on my show. Yeah. Yes, right. He's wonderful. And it, it oh, God, it, it was just beautiful. So the juxtapositioning of Holland Taylor, who, you know, you think of her on Two and a Half Men. In fact, I had someone at, at church yesterday say to me, so... Is Holland, are we going to be, are we going to get that same character that she is in Two and a Half Men? Is that who she is? And I was like, oh, come on. Oh. I did. Someone said that. And I said, oh, you're in for such a shock. Exactly. <laughs> she has nothing like that character. And yet, as Will Street says, there is a part of Holland that is like that character. Well, a part of me, uh, a, a part of me <laughs> does want to just say anything to anybody, and I, of course, don't. But, it, but it's very liberating to play a character like that who literally has no, has no filter. Mm-hmm. I mean, she'll, she's capable of just laying somebody out with great ease, and I could only do that, in, I could only do that if I were being paid for it. <laughs> and that entitles me to That's be horrible. Funny. But we all have a horrible streak in there somewhere. I, I do want to mention, I feel like uh, people need an, an evening like this uh, because there's so much going on in the world and we need to dial in about what's going on in our own inner life. Uh-huh, well, exactly. yes, yeah, so I, I think life is much too, much too fast and much too electronically controlled for oh, us yes. to be aware of that half the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, the idea that there's going to be, we only allow 150 people max into, this, into these uh, you know, productions. So the fact that there's an intimate crowd of 150 people with Holland sitting at the center of it, you know, kind of bearing her soul and being willing, and I, I'm very grateful for that for you, Holland, for doing this, but being willing to literally sit and share who she is, that's amazing. And, and the good thing is that even if you can't make it live into the room, you can, we live stream this, it's, it'll be live Friday night at 7.30, People can sit in their homes and watch it. I saw that. Is that off of the Global Truth Center website? Yes, it's off of the Global Truth Center website. Well, you know, James, so there's just, no way, uh, given our relationship, that you and I can have a profound discussion that, by profound, I mean deep in terms of who we are personally, without touching on the events uh, that happened in your life this year, which affected very much affected our relationship in the sense of deepening it and expanding yes. on it. And I... I you know, we can't have a deep discussion without that entering into it. No, and we certainly will. Um, Holland's referring to my daughter uh, passed away in the fall oh, at, at night. I'm at so 19. sorry. Yeah, it was. It's uh, still. My husband and I just this morning were very deeply moved uh, with a discussion we were having about her, um, and Holland was quite profoundly 
helpful to us through that whole thing. Uh, her and Sarah both just really amazing to us and supportive. Oh, and it was wonderful. very difficult. Yeah. Well, know, very the fact difficult. is is that the, there are many different ways that people react to such a almost unspeakable mm-hmm. tragedy. Um, what what struck me extraordinarily was in the case of Dr. James and Kevin, they um, they continued their work. Both of them have important work, and James is important spiritual work to many people. He's a leader. Kevin was many people were depending on Kevin, and I was struck by I was struck by the grace with which they. I mean, obviously, certain things put aside for a moment, but the way they carried carried on the fact is you can carry you can being grief stricken does not mean you do not do things that you do right. and I, I i simply couldn't believe them and i rejoiced in it although it filled with anguish there was a rejoicing in the the sheer um the, sh- the sheer majesty of what grief is to people and yes. how they only if they bow down to it can they walk with it somehow. No, I just figured at the time it was, people talk about getting, getting over your grief, you know, to go, to to live, you know, you you live through it. No, let me share, go ahead. Go ahead, no. Uh, No, you continue, then I'll add, go ahead. Well, I I was going to say, you live through it, and I don't see grief as something that's going to debilitate me. It's something that I, live with, I allow to inform me. Um, I've reached out to many people, uh, David Kessler, who wrote a book with Elizabeth Ross and with um, Louise Hay. Uh, I reached out to him, and I've had such great conversations about what this thing is, what this thing of loss is, and how it can enrich your life as well as turn it in a direction I never expected to face. Absolutely. All I was going to say is I created this show, which is called Get the Funk Out, because I lost one of my best friends from childhood in 2010, and I was grief-stricken, and I needed a place for my grief, and it allowed me to share my stories, process my grief, and learn from it, as well as have other people on my show share their own stories, and it's been incredible. Well, it's it's only through knowing what is happening to us and allowing it, I think, that one can really live yes absolutely let me just mention one more time i'm giving away 10 pairs of tickets to this friday's event friday september 6 7 30 p.m uh the doors open at seven it's at the global truth center featuring award-winning actress holland taylor with dr james mellon uh anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with oh goodness no you really covered a lot thank you and uh I think it's going to be a, a, a beautifully remarkable, intimate evening, and uh, I'm just very excited for it and very grateful that Holland is my guest. Fantastic. Me too. I'm so glad to be coming to it. Well, I am so thankful both of you took the time to call in. Thank you. It was great, and thank you for sharing with us about why you started this. See, that that's the thing that's so exciting to me. Why did Janine create Get the Funk Out? Right. And you've just told us, and that takes this to such a deeper level of understanding why you're even on the phone. Well, and when I hear about you losing your daughter, I have a daughter of the same age, and I also have a friend who just lost a son in early 20s, so it takes my breath away. But we have Mm -hmm. to just keep going. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, that's a wrap for this morning's segment. I want to thank both of you, and I'm looking forward to this Friday's event. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. Take care, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. 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 Again, that was Emmy Award-winning actress Holland Taylor and Dr. James Mellon. Uh, there is an event coming up this Friday. Again, if you'd like a pair of tickets, I'm giving away 10 pairs of tickets. Just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. Let me say that one more time, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. All the info is on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci. Org. That's a wrap for me. Sheldon Abbott is in the house standing by with Cure for the Blues. I'll be back next week. Have a great day, everyone, and enjoy the day off. Happy Labor Day. <laughs>